be 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Um, it'll be on page 1757 in, in your pew Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Morning, High Point. Um, morning, huh? That's a nice response. Uh, so my name is Michael, and this morning I'm going to be sharing with you my testimony, and it should serve as a, a, a nice bridge between Nick's message um, about culture last week and Lloyd's about uh, mission this week. Uh, the word I'm going to start with is apathy. Um, apathy is a word that I knew when I was when I was younger, um, but it's not a word that I could really connect anything to. Um, when you're younger, you don't really ask questions like. Uh, like, why am I here? And uh, I started to understand what that word meant, though, personally, um, to me, um, at, during my undergrad years at UW. I just graduated in May. Um, but throughout the years, uh, and particularly in the latter half of my senior year, I started to understand what this word meant because I could feel it in myself. And it, it, it presented itself in this sort of hollowness, um, in this emptiness uh, that it's, it's, it's really hard to describe exactly how it feels. Um, and it got to a point where um, last, like, February, March, I would be walking around campus um, at UW uh, for hours at a time, once or twice a week, not knowing what I was doing, uh, not knowing where I was going, not knowing what the point, um, like, what I was supposed to be doing about most things. Um, and that was really frustrating. And I was wondering, maybe I need something new. Maybe I need something, um, some kind of worldly thing. And it was this, this desire for some, something new um, that connected me to uh, a guy named Drew, who was also a fellow undergraduate at UW. And uh, Drew, uh, <laughs> Drew met me at Union South, if you're familiar with the campus. Um, it's a place where students uh, can meet up. And he met me there with his friend Chris, and I didn't know these two. Um, they came and talked to me at a table, and they asked if they could ask me some questions. And I said, 
sure, why not? Like I've got, uh, I've got all the time in the world and um, this will probably not take up any of that. Um, and so we sat down and we talked and we talked and we talked and we talked for a while. We ended up talking for about an hour and it was the most um, tangential conversation but most intentional conversation I'd probably ever had. It was, it was crazy. We talked about Christ. Um, we talked about his sacrifice, and we talked about the, the testimonies of Drew and Chris. And um, I think the thing that amazed me most about the conversation was that Drew and Chris, or um, sorry, Drew and, yeah, Drew and Chris could communicate with me in a way that was true to them about Christ, but that also was responsive and um, receptive to somebody who had no prior convictions of faith. Um, so this is last August or last April. And I got in contact with Drew a couple days later. Um, he invited me to come here to High Point. And I thought, okay, sure, I'll come, I'll check it out. Um, I didn't know if it would mean anything, but I thought I might as well. And I came here with him and his now wife, Courtney, and um, it was incredible. Um, if you've been going here for service, you, you know that this church is something special. Um, and it was special to me, and I'd never been to uh, a service like this before. And so I started getting involved in Bible studies. I started praying daily, and I was trying to understand what this meant to have a relationship with God um, that Drew was talking about, that I talked about with other people in the High Point community and with the Christian community on campus. And it all culminated in this experience uh, in, in June. It was, uh, it was a warm mid-June, a warm June night, and I was just finishing up dinner. Um, at, at my apartment, and I started to feel this, this, this feeling that I really knew, and I couldn't put my finger on it for, for a second, and then I realized, because I hadn't felt it in, in, a, in a while, but it was this, it was this hollowness um, that I, I did know really, really well, and I knew what it was, and I, I was like, I don't want this. Like, I, I thought I was done with this. I didn't want to go back to that. And so I did what I normally do when I would, when I would start to feel this way, and I would, I'd, I'd grab my music, I'd shove it in my ears and I'd go, um, go outside and hit the pavement and I'd start walking. And I was, I, it's the same thing I did way back in February, March. Same thing, just walking around, not knowing what I was doing. And I, I was just listening to this music, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. I realized that after that time, I wasn't, I wasn't listening to the music. Like it was playing in my ears, but it wasn't, I wasn't listening. I didn't care. And it was crazy to me because music is like, it's always been this, this thing that just connects to me in a way that nothing else ever has before um, or had before. Um, but I realized in that moment it wasn't enough. And so I took my earbuds out and I stuffed them in my shirt. And I prayed to receive Christ. Um, and it was, it was incredible. I, I prayed to receive Christ. I, I prayed for my friends. It was just this, this rush of, this rush of, purpose that I'd never, I don't know, it was unreal. And I prayed for my friends and my family and my loved ones. Um, and so this walk, this walk where I was like by myself became a walk with Christ, like literally in that, in that time. It was, it was, it was unreal. Um, so, so now that's why I can, that's why I can stand up here and um, give a testimony. Like the reason why I can stand up here is because of people like, 
Drew and Chris, um, my friend Adam, who's my disciple, and he just uh, he just delivered before me here, um, and so many other people um, that have given me opportunities to to expand on my relationship with God and to, that have shown me com- so much compassion, um, and I really have them to thank and. Um, for communicating with me in a way that I wasn't able to before because I didn't have these convictions of faith. And so it was really wonderful that they could come to somebody like me um, and you know, share their culture in, in a place where maybe that culture wasn't before. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys? It's, uh, it's my favorite uh, time of year. Uh, it's fall. And uh, last year, uh, about this time, uh, on my birthday, uh, I was at Wrigley, Wrigley Field, right? The best place to be on a birthday is Wrigley. Come on, man. Come talk to me. And so I was, with, I was at Wrigley with my son Jason over here on the left side, and I had some peanuts and some pop. It's a pop. She does a pop. And, and I was, uh, we were just enjoying the sunshine. And, uh, 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 and, and just, I was enjoying being with him. I don't usually get a chance to spend six or seven hours. We drove, I think, from, from Madison to Chicago and had dinner and back and just enjoying him and enjoying my birthday. And uh, getting ready for last year we thought was going to be the Cubs World Series, but this year we know it's going to be the Cubs World Series, right? <laughs> And, and guess what? Even if it isn't, there's always next year. There's always next year if you're a Cubs fan. Um, so this year I had to take one for the team. My wife, literally, I'm serious, this is serious, a true story. She comes to me yesterday, she says, Lloyd, I could, I could get you tickets to go to, to Wrigley. This is the last whole game of the, series, of the season. I think they got the Cardinals in town. I think the Cardinals are in town. And I was like, Wife, we, no, I gotta, I, I gotta stay on mission. I gotta stay on mission. And so I took one for the team today to be here. It's a, it, it's a great blessing, though. It's a great blessing to be here. Um, today we're going to talk about mission. This is the third uh, entry in a series on um, on onward, on dealing with how to be a Christian in society. Right, first week. Uh, Pastor Nick talked about kingdom, and he said that in Christ Jesus, everything has its being. And so that as we look at this metaphor of the frame, that the kingdom that God has made, the whole universe is, is, is his kingdom, and within that kingdom is the mission and culture and human dignity and so forth. The second week he talked about culture, and he said that the church those who have been redeemed, as Mike talked about just a minute ago, those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, those who have been taught how to live in love and peace and self-sacrifice, that we are creating a counterculture, that we as Christians are our counterculture, that when they come into our homes, when they come into our workplaces, when they uh, dialogue with us, they should see something different 
They should, they, they, should, they should hear love and truth. And they should sense some of the peace and righteousness in our lives from Christ. And so that was week two. And this week we're going to talk about mission. Here's uh, one of the places I learned about mission the hard way was at work. Clicker. Where's my clicker? I'm sure I put it in my pocket probably. Oh, it's over here. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Outstanding. One of the places you lear- I learned about mission was at work. Uh, real quick, I went to work for American Family some years ago. Started as an agent for two and a half years. Had a good run. Became a sales manager. Had a good run. When, we, when, when American Family goes into a new state, they set rates about 15, 20% below the competition in auto and home. They do that because you don't have a brand. And so now insurance companies spend billions. Everybody knows about Geico. Everybody knows about Allstate and the good hands and all of their characters and so forth. I hope some of you know about American Family and the dream and the dreams that they support, right? I hope at least some people, right? So, so anyway, anyway, so, so, so they go in with lower rates for a time period. And I jumped into a state and the business grew as an agent. Then as a sales manager, I was able to help my agents grow. And then what happens is over time, the company tries to get its underwriting profit. It raises its rates and things get tough. About six, seven years in, about four or five years in as a sales manager, things were really tough. Agents were quitting. Agents were unhappy. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a good plan. All I had to do before was show up, coach, go out to agents' offices, told them what I knew. Then I got to the end of my own resources, and I was in trouble. One of my agents called me out. They said, Lloyd, when I first came, when when you first hired me, you were in my office, you were coaching, you were teaching, you were training. Then business got tough and you went into your cave. Hey, listen, buddy, we're out here on the field. Get your behind out here. We need you. We need some leadership. We need some training. We need some encouragement. And I was like, after I shook my head for a minute, I was like, yep, yep, yep. But the thing was, I just didn't know precisely what to do. I had never been in that situation before. I needed to come up with a mission. So what I did is I produced this mission. And when I said, listen, folks, this is what we're about. We're going to produce profitable growth for American family. You got to take care of your company and ourselves. We're going to do this by working really hard and, and serving our customers really well. Real simple mission. And it was supported by a few values. I started with just one or two agents. Within about five years, I had 30 agents. One sales manager, 30 agents, doesn't work too well. I had to come up with some values that would keep us all together, that would help us succeed together. And these were the three. The first was maintain a positive outlook on life. I had agents quitting. I had agents that were, where they used to give five quotes to make a sale, were given 50 to make a sale. They were discouraged. And what I said to them, we can't, we can't control how many, how many people say no to us, but we can control giving quotes. And we can believe God. Some of my agents were Christians, praise God. We can believe God that he's going to take care of us through these difficult trials. I could even say that in a, in a district meeting. That was, that was a good place to be, actually. Anyway, we had to have a positive attitude. Next, we had, we had to share what you know. I had 30 agents. I couldn't coach them all. I had to spend my time on new people. I couldn't spend them on the veterans. So I had to make the veteran people, veteran being three years, four years, coach the ones that were one in two years. 
how to sell, how to service, how to have a good attitude, how to look at a property and, uh, and make sure it had the guidelines and so forth. We had to, they had to train each other, and they had to see that there was a mutual benefit, that we were all in this together. Lastly, we had to, I had to recognize in sales there's this, this competitive nature. Everybody wants to be the top agent. Everybody wants to be the agent of the month, agent of the year. But the problem is, is that, that not everybody, if there's 30 agents, can be the agent of the month, the agent of the year. So I have to create an environment where there's a big tent, where there's all kinds of winners, where you can excel in service and be recognized, where you can be the kind of person that is a team player and be recognized, right? Where, where folks would, would leave their agency and go and, and work at another agency where somebody was sick. And so we built this culture. And we didn't get ourselves back to where they were in the heydays, but we did make a profit for our company. And our agents slowly began to grow their revenues. And in the midst of that, the company asked me to come to Madison to do some different work. I had to get on mission. I was floundering for a while. It was going okay. It was kind of like swimming when you're, when you're treading water. I was treading water. And then I had to learn how to swim, baby. And, and, and then things started going well. So it is in the church. We have to know what our mission is. Today I want to talk about what the mission is the church is. Then I want to connect the mission of the church, big C, universal, to the local church. That every church has to contextualize the call to be ambassadors and reconcilers, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21, the call to go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Everybody, every church has got to take that message and contextualize it to its time, its location, its particular situation. So we're going to talk about the big church, we're going to talk about the local church, and then we're going to talk about your role in that as a Christian. So 2 Corinthians 5, 11, 21, our mission is reconciliation. So Mike just came and he gave, he gave this testimony of being a student, kind of empty, and two ambassadors come, Drew and Chris. And what do they do? They're, they're bold enough to begin telling their testimony about what God has done in their life. And they begin asking him questions about his spiritual life and what's going on, Mike, and his personal life. And a five-minute conversation turns into one-hour conversation. Listen, brothers and sisters, they don't always work like that. Uh, sometimes you might just get two or three minutes. But we depend on God to open doors. And when God opens doors in people's hearts, we, we keep walking in. And that's what God did in the situation with Drew and Chris working with Mike. He opened the door, and they were bold enough to walk through it as ambassadors for Christ, and they were even further bolder. They were like, hey, let's invite this guy to church. And they came to church, and they probably heard Pastor Nick preach the Word of God more plainly as the ambassador that he's called to be. And as, after a while, this starts to settle in, and, he, and Mike sees the beauty of the lives of Drew and Chris and the others that are around them. And, and he goes to church, and then he, he tries to go back to his old way of life, and something God, God is doing a work of conviction in his heart. How many of you know the, the Word of God will do that? We can't, we can't do that. All we can do is share the testimony. All we can do is share the gospel. And then we get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit enter in and work on people's hearts and minds and souls. So we're faithful to do what we can do 
and God is faithful to do what he does, and Mike, in his own prayer, with no person around, comes to Christ. And then the other reconciler comes in, the discipler comes in, Adam. The discipler comes in and begins teaching him how to understand his Bible, teaching him what Christian fellowship is all about, teaching him what a selfless life is about, one-on-one, man-to-man, woman-to-woman, personal discipleship. And I like this one story about reconciling that I heard yesterday from Jim Tanner. The elders were at a retreat. And the story came up about Dakota Dixon and how you Badger fans will know this. I'm an Illinois fan. I don't like you Badger fans, but that's all right. I got to give you props where I have to give you props. So, so, so Dakota, Dakota Dixon, LSU, the game is on the line. He gets the interception. He hits his knee. He comes up. The play is dead. He runs in celebration. And this big dude, man, this big, huge guy from LSU, pow, just decks him out of nowhere. And Dixon is like, out, man. The lineman is like 320. Dixon might be 185 wet. I mean, he's a small guy. He's decked. And with the cool thing about this, Dixon is like, he, he's fine. He's like, hey, you know what? I've been hit harder before. It's the excitement of the game. Things kind of happen. You know what he says? He said, he said, you know, I, if he, he probably was frustrated. I would have been frustrated too. You know what I mean? We three and zero right now. We about ready for the road. Anyway, so right, sorry. So he's like, listen, he's cool. So here's what happens. Somebody at LSU goes to the kid. I know his name. Not going to mention it. And says to him, "That's wrong." The kid's position is that he didn't know he was down. The kid's testimony is that he was a Christian. He's, he was like, listen, I thought the play was live. I thought action was live, and I hit him. Now. His coaches go to him and say, listen, the play was dead. What you did was wrong. You're going to have a one-game suspension, and you need to call him. You need to call him. And so he does. And he gets Dakota on the line. There's no, Dakota's pretty actually cool about it. He's like, whatever. And they talk, and they, they say, hey, no problem, no hard feelings. They begin to talk that each of them have known Christ. And Dakota leaves the phone number, and he's like, fine. And then after that, he's convicted a little bit. He says, hey, you know, I didn't pray with him. We didn't exchange numbers. So he calls him back. He says, hey, let's, 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 let's be friends. So you have the reconciler, the LSU administration, that tells the young man, you need to, you need to make things right with Dakota. And then Dakota, in order to restore fellowship, he has to suck it up because he's been offended. Could have been concussed, could have been season ending, could have been career ending. He sucks it up. He's like, you know what? God took care of me. I understand how the games works. And now I got a friend for life. Reconciliation, reconciliation. That is the ministry that we're in. And sometimes as Christians, we have to overlook small offenses, keeping in mind the big offenses that were overlooked by our Savior. When I think about some of the offenses that I have made over my 52-year journey with Jesus, then I can overlook your little bit of whatever. I can overlook some, a lot of stuff if I keep in mind the big stuff every week every month, every day that is forgiven for me. Things that I did intentionally knowing better, things that I didn't know at the time that were wrong and evil. 
all covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, all forgiven because of his death, burial, and resurrection, all restored because of his spirit that lives in me, his spirit that lives in me that allows me to preach and be an ambassador, his spirit that lives in me that allows me to be a husband, his spirit that lives in me that allows me to try my, to raise my boys in godliness, his spirit that lives in me that allows us to go out into the world recognizing that we're not perfect, recognizing that we're not alone. Loving people that don't know us well and some that don't like us at all. Looking for the opportunity to share our testimony. Inviting folks to church so that they can hear the gospel and have an opportunity to respond. Being reconcilers. Reconciling people to God that we have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use us to send his message out into the world to reconcile sinners to their God and to reconcile Dakota to the LSU player relationships. That's our ministry. And we recognize that in Matthew, the call is evangelism and discipleship. Go therefore to all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always. Listen, never forget, when you are given your testimony, God is with you. It's his words, it's his spirit, and it's his work. So let's try to lay aside our fears and share our testimony. Let's lay aside our fears, get some training if you need it in terms of understanding the Bible on October 8th at Bob's class where he teaches us to study the Bible in ongoing classes that we'll have I think in, in February where we'll talk about evangelism where one of our crew people who's on our staff will tell you about the ways in which he has led people to Jesus through sharing testimonies and praying for people, through evangelism and discipleship, and through something that we don't as much talk about, through societal renewal. So let's talk about that. This is what Russell Moore has said. He says, the call of the gospel doesn't distinguish between personal sin and social injustice. That my own individual sins and my sins against society and our community are all in the kingdom of God. So my sins against you and my sins against nature, all within the kingdom of God. It operates on the understanding that both are branches from the same sinful rebellious root, and it calls for the up, their uprooting in the name of Christ. Where there is sin, no matter what its form, the gospel has a word. Now, we need to be better Bible students. October 8th with, with Bob. Old Testament survey with Nick's wife coming on October 30th. The gospel of Matthew with Bob and Steve. We need to become better students of Jesus and understanding how to apply the gospel, no, no doubt. We need to become better students of that, but in every circumstance and situation of sin, the gospel has an authoritative word, and, and we as Christ's disciples need to learn it and share it with humility and faithfulness. 
Where there is sin, no matter what the form, the gospel's got a word. This both requires a both-and approach from the church, recognizing the vertical aspects of our need for renewal and the horizontal aspects of our need to pay attention to the social ills of the world that are impacted by individual sin. Now, we are following Jesus' example. This isn't something new. This is something that's in our New Testaments. This is something that, are, that is in the Gospels. He preached Jesus. He taught. He healed. He fed. For example, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus, and it says, in their towns and villages. That's what I cut out. In their towns and villages, Jesus taught in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, that God owns everything and he's there to redeem it. Proclaiming the good news of his grace and love, healing every disease and sickness. And we know it in our gospels, feeding the hungry, you know, forgiving the prostitute and so forth, dealing with social ills as well as spiritual ills. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. This week I had a chance to uh, minister to a couple of single moms. And these Christian women, godly women, doing their best to raise their children on their own, just feeling like my mom, who ended up, unfortunately, divorced from my dad, five kids, one-bedroom apartment, raising them. I see these single moms, and I look, I said, Mom. And I have a word for them. My mom is 86. She loves Jesus. God has been taking care of her, graduated her sons, has her now living in the, in the house with one of her sons and daughters, never been alone, faithful in church, gracious and generous, even though she never had much. God has taken care of her and will take care of her to the end. God has blessed my mom. I'm telling you, if you are a single mom and you are a Christian, I'm telling you this. You've got some brothers here. You have some sisters here. You have some grandparents here. I'm telling you, if you don't know Jesus and you're a single mom and you're here, we Christians are instructed to come to you with compassion. And this, I'm using single moms as a metaphor. Anybody who's harassed, anybody who's alone, anybody who needs help. Amen? Come on. That's what the, the body of Christ is for. If you are harassed and helpless, like a sheep without shepherd, then he said to his disciples, then he said to the church, then he said to the reconcilers, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of space. There's plenty of hurting people. There's, there's plenty of opportunity internationally, locally, in our neighborhoods, in our houses, at our family reunions. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. What I'm saying is that we on a mission. And it's a wonderful mission. I'm going to talk about how I learned more about this mission, even while preparing for this sermon. It's a wonderful mission to be able to share Jesus' love with a hurting brother or sister, old or young, black or white, Asian, foreign speaker. It's a wonderful mission that we have, an opportunity to show the love of Christ to the world. We were sent out to do that work. 
So the church's mission is holistic. It's holistic. It includes the soul, and includes the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and it includes our, our universe. Persever- uh, uh, the, 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 the grass, the fields, the, the, the oil, preservation. It includes that. The, the Word of God has a word about all of His universe and how it should be preserved and taken care of and restored. That's why we need those scientists to teach us things. And we need to study and preserve and protect our natural resources, our people, our relationships. And so, the everyday missionary, which is you and I who know Jesus, those of us who've come to faith in Christ, we do everyday missionary work while we, by witnessing, by volunteering at Helping Hands, by running both the Christian schools and the public schools, by hosting international students, by going on missions trips. So we don't want to replace the gospel with nicey-nicey social action. We're going to always lead with the gospel. We're going to always talk about evangelism and discipleship and repentance and faith towards Jesus. We're never going to forget that. So we're not trying to replace the gospel with social action, but neither are we trying to replace the gospel with we're just going to live right. We're just going to do holiness, and if everybody sees how righteous they are, they'll come in. We're not going to just try to put holiness forward and not love and protect and serve the harassed and the needy. We're not going to do that either. We're going to do what our Savior did. He is a God that restores the whole kingdom, and the church shows a little first fruit of that. We are the first fruits of holiness. In our households, in our families, people ought to see the gospel lived out in our lives. When my children bring their friends to the house, they need to see the gospel in Debbie and me. They need to see the gospel in your single life. When you bring your friends over, and the way you go about your weekends, and the way you go about your friendships, they need to see self-sacrifice and love and self-control in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Could it be that the church has too limited a view of the scope of its mission? What do all these places have in common? UW, Epic, Killwinds, healthcare systems, schools, working in the transportation, or public schools, Ally Drive, American Family, what do they all have in common? They are all places where Christ is working through the church, flesh and blood people, to restore and reconcile people to himself. Every one of those places. And so, we need to recognize that all of us probably works, if we work inside or outside of the home, we work in these areas of culture. And in all of these places, the gospel is operating. This is the kingdom of God. And we do our mission within the entire complex of society. So every Christian is needed, and we all have plenty of room to work. The church's mission is to reconcile. We reconcile man to God. We reconcile a man to each other through evangelism and discipleship and engaging in social renewal. However, 
as the local church, we need to contextualize this mission. So we are in Madison. We're not in Chicago. We're in Madison. We're not in Gambia. We're in Madison on the west side. We're not on the east side. And so we need to, we need to contextualize what we do for our situation, our time, and our place. And that is the work of the local church. So how has High Point Church translated its call to be disciple makers and reconcilers here locally? What is HPC's mission? We make disciples through gospel connection, connection to God and connection to each other. Right? Connection to God, connection to either growth, growth in our knowledge of Scripture and our understanding of the gospel and service, serving man in, in such a way that we lead others to Christ, both locally and international. Co- connection, growth, and service. That's what we do. We make disciples in that way. What are our values? How many of you, raise your hand for me, I need a, I need a check. This is a, this is a, think of this as a quiz, except you're not graded. How many of you have seen these values before? Raise your hand. Okay, that's about, that's good, that's a good chunk. That's probably about 40%. Uh, we believe in the gospel that we've, that I've been sharing this whole time. We believe that the Bible is authoritative, not Pastor Nick, not you, not Lloyd, and not the elders, that the Bible is God's word and is our final arbiter in all matters of faith and practice. We believe that Christian community is the restored community. It is the agent that that God uses to restore his kingdom. We believe that we have to sacrifice like our Savior sacrificed in order to, to, to redeem sinners, that there's a sacrifice that's required for us to have impact in our world. We believe that we have to contextualize the, the, the message that we preach. And so I'm preaching to you a message that I specifically prepared for High Point people specifically today. If I was teaching this message over at Mount Zion, I'd do something different. Same thing with Nick. We contextualize what we're trying to accomplish. And then secondarily, we're evangelistic, Mike's testimony. We, are, we, we, have, we believe in leadership. We got 25 interns under age 15 at, the, at our staff right now, right? We're trying, to, we're trying to, come on, y'all can laugh a little bit. We're trying to raise some people up, knowing that they won't all work and have careers at American Family, that some will go to China and serve God there. Some will be pastors in Minnesota or maybe here in town. Some will decide not to go in, into full-time work at a church, but will just serve God in another capacity in the workforce. But that God is going to use High Point Church to raise up spiritual leaders that will go out and be reconcilers in all aspects of life. We believe in leadership. We believe in being intergenerational, multicultural, and international. This is definitely about social renewal. So, so James Barrett is in my small group. I got a small group of folks 40-ish plus and a 20-something-year-old because we believe that the 20-something-year-old can teach us something, teach a Christian, by his bold faith that he, some of us who are a little bit more conservative and so forth will learn from the new ideas and energy of this young man and also that we'll be able to impart some wisdom to him. That there's this mutual sharing through intergenerationality 
And we're all about that at High Point Church. Uh, we just had meetings of our staff as well as our elders, and we talked about multiculturalism. And you'll hear more about this. We're going to up the ante on multiculturalism and international relations. This whole idea, if you look at our nation right now, it's hard to argue if I was a British media commentator, and if I was studying the, the patterns of, of things going on in America, it's hard not to say that there's all kinds of racial issues and barriers. Just, just a, an objective person would look at this and say, man, they, got, they have problems getting along in America. And so this issue of crossing multi, multicultural barriers and international barriers is really important. It's really on God's heart. It's really what he did if you check Ephesians chapter 2. He brought Jew and Gentile together, breaking down the hostility, the wall between them. Yes, listen, we, some of us are Puerto Rican and some of us are black and some of us are Scandinavian, but Jesus breaks down real barriers. Some of us are Chinese and some of us are Indian and so forth. There are real differences among us, but the love of Jesus breaks that down. The gospel of Jesus breaks through real natural barriers by getting us to focus on a God who loves all of us and who has brought all of us into a new community led by his son, empowered by the Holy Spirit, based upon his love and his truth and his righteousness that breaks down our individual preferences. I think the gospel is stronger than our preferences. Preferences are real, and our preferences aren't even bad, but I think the gospel is stronger than our preferences. I think that's why Jesus came to show us that. So we're renewing, look at there, societal renewal. We're renewing society. It's in our values. We, we, we're about that in terms of our work together as a local church. Our local church mission is about renewing the society, as well as clearly discipling people in the gospel in Christ Jesus through repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ. We're doing it all because Jesus' mission is holistic. It's the kingdom. And so we come to worship services, and there are some of us here know Jesus, have confessed Him as Savior, have the Holy Spirit. And then there are also non-Christians here. So on, in an assembly like today, maybe 95% or more really know Jesus. The other 5%, quite fr frankly, might be Mike before he came to Christ. They was just checking it out. Some, some Christians invited me. I just stumbled in. They seemed like they was having a nice place. It seemed like a nice place. The people were sort of friendly. I'm just popping in. And so they come, disciples and non-Christians, in fellowship. And they hear the gospel, and we invite them both, non-Christian, come check us out. We don't bite. We will love you. We won't judge you. We'll be patient with you. If you need some help, we'll help you out of our own pocket. Or they'll come and talk to me, and the church will help you. We'll have patience with you. We will share with you what we believe the truth is. 
We'll try to establish a relationship with you. We will share with you what we believe the truth is. And we can be friends, even if you choose not to accept what we believe, what we believe is the truth. We want you to go into small groups and love each other, encourage each other, rebuke each other as Christians, and be, learn how to be disciple makers. And then we want to send you out on to wherever you are, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or whether you're working across those seven areas. And we want to share, we want to send you out there knowing that you are everyday disciple maker at the soccer field, at school as a student, in the high schools, that you are an everyday disciple maker. That you have been shown the love of God and you have a testimony that you can share that somebody would love to hear. And God, through you, will open up someone's ear that they would be able to hear the gospel. Everyday missionaries. Now that we understand our mission at High Point Church, what are the things that support it? So you are an everyday missionary. That can be intimidating for Christians. We can feel, we have a way of feeling ill-equipped and ill-prepared. And so the question is, how is the local church going to support you so that you feel more equipped and more prepared? If you are a new Christian and don't know how to study the Bible for yourself, October 8th is a class. We have an ongoing class that does in-depth in study of the Bible. We have a couple of our, our elders that are passionate about the Bible, teach that almost every week. And so there is, there is no, every, almost every week we have an opportunity where there's a formal gathering to help you learn the Scripture. If you are a Christian, but you really have not explored, you don't know Jesus as well as you ought, well, well, Bob and Steve Locker will be teaching a class on Matthew, and they will be exploring the Messiah and his ministry and his birth and, and, and his, his mission and his call. You'll, you'll get a chance to know Jesus more intimately. If you want to know how to be a disciple and a disciple maker, you got this wonderful teacher named Lloyd Biddle. That'll be, that's a joke, that's a joke. That'll be teaching the class. That'll be teaching the class on how to be a disciple and a disciple maker. That is what, that is what a disciple is. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. There's no such thing as a Christian who is not a follower of God and an introducer of God to others. There is no such thing. So that the Christian is both. And in three weeks, I'll try to break that down for you. There's a, there's a um, Nick's, Nick's wife, Lexi, is going to teach an Old Testament survey. We got parenting classes. If you've ever seen Ellen Flotmeyer and Andy, they're, they're, they believe in their, their mission as a family to raise children, and they have studied and prepared, and they can help you parent. They can help you parent in Christ Jesus. I've been in their classes. Outstanding. And that's just a little flavor. We can teach you how to manage your money in Christ in January, Financial Peace University. We can teach you deep theological things. So that's all in our new program with four different tracks, practical things and your knowledge so that you can be well-equipped. We want to engage and equip you with the gospel.
Small groups, join, get in fellowship, and learn in your small group. Challenge each other to be everyday missionaries. Challenge each other to take your faith out of your, our little enclave to the world. Service, I got one thing I want to say about service. We have plenty of service opportunities. If you're in an onward small group, we talk about our partnerships in our onward booklet. What I want to talk a little bit about is service in the church. If you are a person who Jesus is your Lord and High Point is your home church, what we're asking you to do is join a small group and become a stronger disciple maker by having people pour their lives into you and you pour your lives into them and then serve the community through your small group. And then we're saying to you, if you don't serve in an official capacity in a ministry of High Point, whether it be in small groups or in youth or children's or hospitality, what we're saying is, we need you. We have 180 kids, one of the largest amounts ever in our Awanas program. We need you. I have about probably somewhere between 450 and 500 people in small groups and about 50 leaders, and I'll always I, I need you. We have a thriving children's ministry, but I, I, I heard a report where if just one person is sick, we, they have to scramble. We need you. So if, you, if you're not engaged in that kind of service at our church, see, see the appropriate person. Come, come and beat down my door. We need you. A few brief ideas about mission, just one idea. I, I want to leave you with this idea as I wrap up. I was about 35, 37 years old, and I had three major parts of my life that were, seemed to me to be fighting against each other. I had two young kids at home, Jason and Jared. I had a stay-at-home wife. I was very active uh, in my local church, preaching and teaching as a layperson and so forth. Running, running all the children's ministry at one point. And I was working about 50, 60 hours trying to develop these agents at American Family. And I was at a place where I felt like I couldn't quit any of them, but that if I didn't do something, something was going to squash me, that life was just going to squash me. And so my wife sent me away for a weekend with my Bible. And I just started reading, and I said, Lord, I just need to figure out what I'm about. I was kind of like at that situation that my district was at, when, when I had things were going pretty well, and then I got to a place where I had never been before, and I didn't have a real business mission, and I was kind of like that with my family. I was kind of like, you know, I knew Jesus, I was serving Jesus, but I had never been in a situation where I felt like I was, ah, ah! and uh. And I went and I started studying the Bible and I got to Matthew 28 and I said, there's three things that pull my whole life together. It just made perfect sense when I came to this simplicity. I said that my whole life, my life as a family man, my life as a minister in Christ and my business life, I said my whole life was about to learn, to do, and to teach. It blew me away. I came back, I was like, oh, I finally got it. I can be a everyday missionary. I can actually take this one principle of discipleship and use that in every area of my life and not feel like, ah, ah, how does this all fit? 
And I tell you, that kind of turned my life around. It gave me kind of meaning and purpose until I started studying this series. And then I realized that something was missing. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, there's a little phrase at the end that if you miss it, you might miss the whole gospel. There's a little phrase at the end that if you miss it, you might miss the whole gospel. Verse 20 says this. After you got all these disciples and so forth and all nations and so forth. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I was trying to do all of that stuff in my own strength. I was trying to, I felt like I had to make it all happen. I had to make it happen. If I'm not careful, I can fall into that like every day. I just got to make it happen. The truth is that Jesus has saved me and has equipped me with his spirit and is with me. Even when I feel like I'm alone, he is with me. And so I don't have to worry about perfection in things. I have to worry about faith working through love. Faith working itself out in love. Faith, not perfection, Jason Jared. Not perfection, not perfection in classes, not perfection in your relationships, but faith in Jesus working its way out in love. Because the one who loves is in me and will never leave me nor forsake me. And if you miss that, you're going to miss the gospel. Don't miss that last line. And lo, I am with you always. Clifford, you're about to get married. Don't miss, don't miss it. Because you'll end up frazzled and harried and feeling overwhelmed and it'll be your own fault because you didn't remember that he's with you even to the end of the ages. Let us close in prayer. Lord, uh, Lord, I want the world to know how good you are. I want, uh, I want everyone who hears uh, this message to know what a loving and gracious and powerful God you are. That whatever situation they find themselves in, that they could look to you for the solution. That whatever mistakes or sins, both conscious or unconscious that they have committed, that you are eager and willing to forgive and eager and willing to give them your spirit that they may love you and serve you in faith in love that works through faith. Oh God, we are missionaries. Those of us who call in your name are missionaries with that message. Lord, speak through the Christians and, and allow the non-Christians to give us a try. Hear us out and see the love that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.